0: Times of charm.
1: Three
0: is a magic number. Happy New Year and welcome to Third Times a Charm, the show that takes an in-depth look at the third installment in a franchise. This is Episode 15, Return of the Jedi from 1983, directed by Richard Marquand. I'm your host. Darth Mike and welcome to a galaxy far far away what better way to kick off 2019 than with some star wars today i welcome jedi master kyle reinfried host of foodie films and co-host of PSI still love hoffman kyle's back for his first solo appearance he was previously on the rocky three episode with his hoff bro late night rodriguez Today Kyle came by for a while to chat about something that we often talk about, the Star Wars. While the focus of this episode is on Return of the Jedi, not the prequel Episode 3, which I'll get to one day, I must admit this conversation gets a bit out of control and serves more like a backdoor pilot to a potential Star Wars podcast rather than an episode of Third Time's a Charm. Kyle and I hung out like all day, so this is going to be at least a two-part episode. Stay tuned for the next half real soon. Now for the show within a show, No Part 3. No, no, no. Part 3. Today on No Part 3, I picked an easy one. National Treasure. There's nothing I want more than more Nick Cage movies, and National Treasure 3 would be his very first part 3 in a series. Cage has played Ghost Rider in two movies, and Eddie in two movies, both Deadfall and the pseudo-sequel Arsenal. But aside from the upcoming Croods 2, Cage isn't much for playing the same character twice. There have recently been very slight rumblings about National Treasure 3 when director John Turtletaub was... Asked about the possibilities while promoting his latest movie, The Meg, he said there is still a chance it could happen and that it may even be released on the new Disney streaming app as an original feature film for that service. So there you have it, not only a new episode of No Part 3, but a side of Third Times and News too. No, no, no. Part 3. Okay, now for a few last words. If this episode sounds a little different, it's because it was recorded live and in person with both Kyle and myself in the room together with the movie on in the background. Something I haven't done on Third Times a Charm since the very first episode. Superman 3 with Joey. Plus... Since this is a part one, that means no book club today. Hashtag season one forever. However, I do believe there is a sneak peek reading of a very cool passage in this episode that is kind of a mind blowing revelation and should appease your novelization appetite for now. So, without further ado, grab your favorite droid, your father's lightsaber, and plot a course to Lightspeed, because here comes Return of the Jedi. Take a drink of blue milk, fresh from the teat, or whatever that creature is. So
1: was that blue milk or green milk?
0: Oh, I just assumed it was unpasteurized. Here we are, Kyle. Hi. How's it going, man? It's going good. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for having me. Thanks for not just showing up in Force Ghost form, but but being (laughs) here in solid form. I am. But here we are. I can't think of a better friend to talk Star Wars with. Aww. Uh, Yeah, man, because I think... When it comes down to it, you're the only one as crazy about Star Wars as I am. Well,
1: this is the first time I saw the movie. No.
0: <laughs> so right off the bat, special edition or original cut?
1: Oh, so we were going to record one day and then now we're recording a different day. Yes. So I had watched it on DVD, the DVDs that came out in 2004, those war crimes.
0: <laughs> yes, those Star Wars crimes. Yes,
1: whoa. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and then I went back and I watched it on VHS that came out in 1995 and they made sure to make you know, like when the VHS started, the last time the original cut will be on VHS. Really? Yeah. They call it the Digitally Remastered THX, and it wasn't widescreen, but it's like, so the colors of the lightsabers are very vibrant. So they cleaned it up for VHS, but it's also, now this is a VHS from 1995. Right. And I definitely haven't watched it, this VHS, since probably 2004 when I got the DVDs. And so I'm just, I'm happy, I'm happy it worked. I, pull, <laughs> I pulled it I pulled it out of its sleeve, and I saw that it wasn't rewound. I'm like, God damn it. Oh man, I hope <laughs> like, it doesn't so snap. Like, yes, yeah. but what's cool about it, and I told you this, before is that there's a little interview that it's uh, Leonard Maltin interviewing George Lucas Uh, they kind of look like brothers a little bit bit, yeah my parents called me the little Leonard Maltin because I was was always critiquing
0: You don't have to go far to cosplay as Lucas, either, if no, you ask me. No, just I, gray just, everything. Yeah, I um... just have
1: to talk like this. I have to get like a, a, bi- a bigger second chin and wear a turtleneck and just, you know, talk like this. They
0: must have put those out while they were working on the special editions because I, like you, watched it originally on VHS for this recording, and I pulled out my VHS's
1: Oh, Return of the Jedi and even the case. This was my favorite growing up. So,
0: okay, so let's... Let's get into segment one. Tell me about your past with the wars, like how you discovered it. And then sort of like, I guess we'll wrap around to the first time you saw
1: Jedi. As far as Star Wars and like it coming into my life, Obviously, just growing up as like the earliest memories, you just remember seeing like the toys on the shelves and Halloween costumes and or even going to Disney World and it being at Star Tours. Uh, that was at the MGM studio. It was MGM. Yeah. Okay. Did you
0: do Star Tours? Yeah, but I had no okay. idea what Star
1: Wars was. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Like I was I was like four years old or something like that. That's so, how they get you. Yeah. That's how they got you so <laughs> young. Cool. Star Tours.
0: I remember that. You all sit down and it It's like a hydraulic ride and you just sit in front of a screen and a tour droid who's just like, welcome to Star Tours.
1: Yeah, exactly. But then I don't think I saw a Star Wars movie until around, like, I guess I was seven years old. Okay. Six years old, maybe in 1995. And my aunt bought me that trilogy box box set. set. And then right away multiple halloweens in a row i was luke skywalker in all black had the green lightsaber i was darth vader got like a very like official for you know, a kid helmet not just like the cheap plastic but like one that had the, the apparatus thing. yeah and it made sounds and everything yeah and i watched all three in a row and everything like that but return of the jedi was my favorite girl really yeah cool it was just some could call it the most childish because the ewoks it's childlike i'd say it's yeah.
0: childlike i I think childless has more of like a negative connotation to it. Yeah, it, it
1: evokes but... much more. Like... Yeah, it's way more.
0: It really leans into the uh, fantasy way harder, and right, and the themes are more obvious.
1: But to me, it was just like Empire like as a kid like I was just like oh this isn't happy like a guy gets his <laughs> hand cut off like you know Luke is the ultimate hero in the end and there's right. Darth Vader's redemption so just as a child and I was I, pretty much a happy child like I, <laughs> I enjoyed that of Return of the Jaws. right
0: you weren't exposed to like a lot of violence through films maybe at that no, point no I so. really
1: like I mean the, like a violent film like I did see Jaws at an early age and that terrorized me like even, yeah, like, I couldn't go into my Pool without being like scared. But even you know, that's more swimming chlorine in a
0: like you know. a psychological yeah. or where they get into like body horror with Star Wars. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. For me, it went like Return a New Hope or just Star Wars, and then Empire, and then now it's kind of like we'll get into back. what it's now. We'll get into now.
0: We'll get there. You know, maybe this might be a good time to mention if this goes well, backdoor pilot to Star Wars podcast. It's been on my mind for a while, and I have I've got so many ideas. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm just always so fascinated how and when people were first exposed to this because, like, I was born in 79. So even when I was born, Star Wars was everywhere. There was only one movie, but some of my first memories of actually going to the movies is going to see Return of the Jedi. That's fucking well, here's the thing. It wasn't like it is today. So back then, and especially Jedi, and because Spielberg and Lucas were doing this, there was like a re-release, or there was like an extended run. I didn't see it the year it came out. I saw it like the year after, like when it came to town. And not everything came on time back yeah. then. Like it would have to play no, around and yeah. stuff.
1: I've heard that even for like the Godfather. Some people saw Godfather Part 2 before Godfather, which kind of works, I guess, in a way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But what was really fortunate was growing up in the age of VHS, like, basically by the time I was five or six, mm-hmm. all this, as I called it, just Star Wars, Yeah. And I didn't really understand what uh, the chapters in A New Hope was all about, really. So by the time Jedi was in theaters, I had seen Star Wars and Empire, like, several times. Yeah, I think even my first memory might have been walking through, like, a Toys R Us, rest in peace, looking at just the wall of He-Man figures, the wall of Star Wars figures, it was just everywhere. It was just inescapable sort of right from the start, which is interesting because that's the model to this day now is like the type of marketing and everything like that. Back then, there weren't, there weren't a hell of a lot of like cool toys. There was G.I. Joe, Star Wars toys, <laughs> Transformers, He-Man.
1: I am like Jurassic Park was my Star Wars technically. Right, right. I love Star Wars. I am Star Wars, (laughs) okay? Like, I do have, like, more, as a grown-up, more Star Wars stuff than Jurassic Park, you know, like, collectible kind of things. But Jurassic Park was definitely my going to the movies, what Star Wars was for other people.
0: And that definitely filled a void that was needed to be filled, too. You know, there was no Star Wars, so thankfully, a Jurassic Park came along and was like, hang in there. Like,
1: we're, we're gonna get back there. And we almost had Mr. Spielberg as the director of this film.
0: Yeah, Kirshner passed. He didn't want to come back. Yeah, <laughs> but one thing that struck me watching this movie is thinking about my niece and nephew and their age, and they're like six and eight right now. Because like movie memories are some of my early memories, going to the movies. So like sitting in Back to the Future and sitting in Return of the Jedi, and I remember sitting in Jedi, and I guess I was in kindergarten. So my mom was like reading the opening crawl to me, and I was like, I don't, I don't need you to read. Like, I got this. I got this. Like, I could follow this. I could follow this now. I'm so happy about that. Like, I could read the opening crawl for myself, like, in the theaters. I just don't have any bad memories of this movie. Like, it's kind of amazing. Like, it just, they're all sort of unique. The second one's the dark one. The first one's more of, like, it's very self-contained as a film. And then this one is such a strange beast because it's, like, tying up all these loose ends.
1: And that's the whole thing. It does a really good job of tying up loose ends, and I think, and then watching this, and I'm definitely becoming a bit more cynical to the... I am st- I love Star Wars, and I, I will always love Star Wars, but I am definitely a bit more cynical towards the newer and the past two Star Wars movies to come out. And
0: We've seen the last three out of four together in theaters, too.
1: I'm a bit cynical to the last two Star Wars movies. Come. I still really enjoyed them, but it's just so many years have passed, and I imagine my Luke in a different light than they they presented but watching this movie like I love that it begins on this I mean they have to get Han back and there's and and I'm sure we'll talk about Harrison Ford didn't want to be a part of it but he is I love the beginning mission that's like not part of the war so much more perfect towards that serial Buck Rogers Mm -hmm. Flash Gordon nature
0: well this is almost just comprised of two serial episodes there's the rescuing of Han and then the battle at Endor or on Endor to take down the shield.
1: Yeah, but I, and I love the whole battle in space around the Death Star, and then just like this cold in space versus these, you know, the Browns and Greens on Earth. <laughs>
0: well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, he has like the whole triple climax happening at the end of this movie, which was pretty interesting. He's able. That's a quite a juggling act, a very successful one at that. That I think he failed to repeat in. Episode one. You could see him trying to do it again in episode one or trying to top himself, and it's like, no, like, you, you gotta pull back. And you know, we built up to this, we didn't just start here.
1: Although, episode one does have arguably the best lightsaber duel of any of the movies but it, i mean it might be the best song of the whole series duel i quite fights. like
0: i quite like ren and ray their duel on Starkiller killer is i just think oh, every, that's really everything really clicks too. at that one i want to get into a couple things about the beginning of this movie that relate to it being a part three and sort of how i feel those things come through here the opening of episode four <laughs> and episode six both start with a star destroyer in full screen, and while well, the first one starts with a ship going into it, and this one starts with a ship coming out of it. Did you notice that?
1: That's cool. and star Vader shuttle that then goes into
0: the- Vader shuttle to the rebuilt death star which i thought as a kid was just the remains of the original death star
1: oh not just no this one like i think i saw it was supposed to be like 400 something percent bigger
0: i i wish there was more of a scale to yeah. tell it's hard to tell this it looks the same size I mean, it
1: looks really cool like i think it looks in, uh, cooler the whole,
0: what's that? i think it looks cooler the way yeah. it's unbuilt yeah i wish we got a little more of that in rogue one but i guess at that point the secret was out they're like you know, yeah, it was its big it's coming out party. Before, yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we've got our dress on and everything.
1: <laughs> Kiss me. Just like walking down the <laughs> staircase, <laughs> all beautiful, ready for the ball.
0: And then trips like several times.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like
0: the Melissa McCarthy SNL skit. I don't know. <laughs> And then we're back on Tatooine Yes. after just like a brief little thing with Vader. Oh, I wanted to talk about that. So what do you think of the new subordinate guy that Vader has? Commander Gergerard. Have you ever known that that was this guy's name? So he's like the Krennic or the Tarkin okay. of this Death Star.
1: Yeah. Like Vader comes
0: in so. and it was like, the Emperor's coming, like get your shit together. And he's like, I need more time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the whole thing. So, I mean, Krennic definitely cowers a little bit more. Tarkin never cowered. Krennic cowered towards well, Ar- that's. Yeah, so he's more of a Krennic. Yeah, but even more so. Like it goes Tarkin, Krennic, and then and then Gergerard. Exactly. So I never, I just kind of looked at him as more of a stooge. But it's just the perfect setup of introducing the Emperor. Like we got him in a hologram and Empire, but then he pretty much like says like nothing explains him better than Darth Vader the biggest badass like of all time and like pretty much yeah like villain Mm -hmm. and he says he's not as forgiving as me. And this is
0: a guy who choked what ten people
1: over the last two movies. One movie that he never chokes anyone in. Yeah,
0: so you leave that to Luke. Yes. Which is scary, haunting, foretelling.
1: And there's, I mean, there's so much we can.
0: Uh, So, so after a brief little stint, then we cut to the desert planet of Tatooine. We're back here, and not only that, it's a, it's like a R two 3 P O lost again. You know, like they're lost again. It's like exactly, I don't know. There's something kind of funny about how we're going to do the same setup
1: and I love that because I mean in the original film they're supposed to be the ones that like make us feel familiar with the story and really you know because in the original Star Wars, you're like, Jesus, there's giant ships, and we're in space, and there's just lasers, and these white troopers, and this guy in crazy black garb is coming in. (laughs) You have no idea what's going on. And then you've got 3PO that's just like, oh, I hate flying, and blah, 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 blah. We are
0: 3PO. Yeah, we are even,
1: like, you know, one of the most annoying characters. You I know, mean, like, as a kid, I'm just like, I oh, shut up, 3PO. Like, I felt like such a Han, like, you know, growing up because it's just how, being annoyed by 3PO. But, you know, in this movie, it's just great to remember, like, oh, it started with those guys on the on the planet and both of them and R2 just going his way and 3PO going another. And this one is just R2, like, you know, he's R2.
0: He's always he, hiding something.
1: He's always hiding something. What is with Again, that? He like, had
0: the plans in the first one and this he's got the lightsaber and he's not telling 3PO jack shit about any of it.
1: And In the Revenge of the Sith, does the guy on Organa's ship, did he say, like, wipe out the droid's memories or just the protocol droid? Like, just just, three POs. So R2 remembers all. He
0: even chuckles in the end of episode three. They're like, wipe this droid's mind. And R2's like,
1: (laughs) yeah, it's crazy. So it's like, a
0: little it's a little crazy the yeah. way droid I mean, we can get it to droids rights in another episode uh, of our Star Wars podcast. Like we could have a, I mean, there's there's plenty of droids to talk about. There's a whole cartoon called Droids about the adventures of three PO and R two, and there happens to be an episode where Boba Fett is on. I think it's episode four. And they are attending something extremely similar to what would now be referred to as a pod race but they don't call it that on the cartoon but Jabba's Palace it's like the cantina bar times 10 yeah I never really noticed until I started this show and started looking for this kind of thing but there's a lot of parallels and like they're here before they became annoying down the line with the extra movies for me I'm sorry but I just have to say a few too many history repeating itself moments in the prequels and all that kind of thing but here it wasn't noticeable to me until this like like, um, viewing.
1: Yeah. It's just, like you said, it's just the cantina, it's Moist Isley to like the extreme and just so many new aliens that then you would buy the action figure. And <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, again, we to, Ewoks, how infamous are Ewoks? And the name Ewok is never said in this movie.
0: Mon Calamari. No, a lot of stuff is not mentioned.
1: So it's just, yeah, there's a world that I never experienced just because there were by then there were just so many books. I remember like, I'm, I'm sure I still have it somewhere, but it was just a very, you know, it was for kids. It wasn't like an in-depth thing. And now, especially if you go onto like Wikipedia or whatever. Which like, I just opened on my phone. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) you know i learned even just like by around 1995 when i started really getting into star wars and i remember it was like a friend of mine gave me this book like by that point they you know like it was like oh they're kyber crystals in the lightsaber and so like i read much more about there was supposedly a scene that showed luke building finishing off building his new lightsaber
0: Yeah, there's a few deleted scenes, not on my Blu-rays, but on a Blu-ray collection and on YouTube if you need to see them. There's a lot more with Gerard as well.
1: But I mean, like, how awesome is it? Because Lucas, you know, I mean, you could call it awesome or you could call it like a bastardization. That's quite an opposite there. Yeah, you can, but, <laughs> no, it's like, think about this. So the reason that green lightsabers then came into our world is that he was too afraid that people would just think that like, oh, they found Luke's lightsaber that fell when he lost his hand. That's why green lightsabers exist. Sure, people knew, like, oh, that's a different lightsaber. And then he has the line of Darth Vader also saying, like, oh, you've constructed a new lightsaber. Yeah, it's training. It's part of his training. Yeah, but, yeah. That, but, like, the biggest reason that it's green is because he was just like, kids will be confused. I thought it goes back to Browns and Grange. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be awesome. But then now in lore, like, I've read that, like, green is, like, kind of, like, if you get green means you're a bit more, like, technically, like, Qui-Gon hippie-ish versus, like, blue is much more... You're liberal. Yeah, like liberal versus like you're much more extremist.
0: Studious. I would always thought that it was green or it was its own color because Luke was sort of like a new form of Jedi. Like he wasn't exactly light or dark yet. I actually think he leans way more towards the dark side this entire movie. Like he's really feeling the pull of this entire film. You mentioned Kyber Crystals and I just have to go back for a second because something that wasn't quite developed or I guess was being developed alongside my fandom of Star Wars that I wasn't very privy to is the experience expanded universe which is now Legends then yeah. how they but sort some of... stuff is
1: now being pulled from Legends
0: exactly to... I think that's really interesting just on the Kyber Crystal sense is that that was something from the expanded universe that is now said out loud in only one movie but it's said out loud in Rogue One Kyber Crystal they charge the lightsaber it's like holy shit like it's kind of great in that sense like I like that about the lore and the history and all this kind of shit and that it's there and that it's there to draw from and that it's so expansive and we could have a whole episode about lightsabers and colors and double-sided ones and ones with hilts and ones without them ones that spin yeah
1: there's things just in like there's scenes that we could do an entire podcast on and then there's episodes of like things in the scene it's a fruitful saga that so I've got I mean you you know Zach Bressler and Zach who was a mentor of mine from Ramapo and then hes he was on PSL of Hoffman for the Boogie Nights episode and he loves Star Wars he grew up through the 80s and everything like that and saw them in theaters but he is a huge Lord of the Rings guy and thinks that they are better films and sure in Return of the King you know one best picture yada 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 and those are great because it comes from like a masterful book but then I just go like this is just really cool like so like you said George I know him first name basis uh, <laughs> will go like yeah sure like yeah you know oh you like purple yeah let's make a purple light set. like it's kind of cool it has become Star Wars now is the peoples
0: yeah it's beyond him and It's cool that even now he let it go completely (laughs) and he can do about it. But then also
1: now it's become too much of the people's. That
0: We'll do an episode on remaking The Last Jedi and what that means and, and how depressing that that whole aspect is. However, speaking of modern expansion of the universe, believe me, this is coming back to Jabba's Palace because of Bib Fortuna, <laughs> one of my all-time favorite Star Wars characters. But he, I want to mention, is because he is a Twi'lek? Is that how it's pronounced? I think so. And I know we really like this race of Alien from the planet Ryloth. But this is something that I thought was really cool. I wanted to mention about Bib Fortuna. I never knew until I started looking him up. So he has a cousin named Beezer. And, like, take a look at this guy.
1: Jesus, right? That's scary. That's like the Exorcist face almost.
0: Beezer Fortuna. You think he's a bad guy, right? He's an he's a evil-looking dude. Now, there's not too much about him, but what I was able to find pleased me to no end. <laughs> As a cousin of Bib Fortuna, he was a member of the Partisans, led by none other than the one and only Sogurura. Oh, Listen to this. He was on Jeddah at the time of the destruction of Jeddah City. They don't say if he survived, but he was
1: on Jeddah. He's aligned with Saul Guerrera. Yeah. Maybe my second favorite Star Wars character of all time. uh I'm just so happy that Forrest Whitaker is canon now.
0: I just loved him. He, to me, invoked something like he could be in Return of the Jedi, that character. He looked... Because he, he yeah. was very practical yeah. as far as his effects, and he was really putting on... Like a voice and a character is trying to like hide, but he can't hide because he's Forrest Whitaker, so he can never truly hide.
1: I need more. I was so happy that there was a couple episodes that he was in the cartoon series Rebels. Yeah, and Forrest Whitaker did the voice, so that's amazing. You get like oh, that's Academy good, award-winning actor to come onto Disney XD and do a voice. Like it's just really cool that you get people. You know, you got Lawrence Fishburne now as you know in Ant Man Two. I don't know. It's just amazing that you have these legendary actors that will play these smaller parts and then respect them and know that fans love it and will, you know, try their best to do it justice.
0: Like Max von Sydow shows up for like a minute and he's like, no problem, I'll do that.
1: Add Uh, so much credibility. Yeah.
0: I also heard that in the new cartoon that Oscar Isaacs and Captain Phasma's
1: actor... Oh, but, uh, Gwendolyn Christie.
0: Yeah, so they're actually going to provide their own voices for that show. Right? So everybody's playing ball yeah. together. I guess they signed one giant contract that says movies, video games, cartoons, or likeness for trading cards and
1: toys. I I mean, you know, you could say maybe, maybe they did, like, sign something, but I, again, I just think that Star Wars evokes the inner child, and there's nothing better feeling like a kid again yeah i don't want to be a kid again but to feel like the simplicity the joy like i wish summers felt as long as they did when i was a kid as a kid you were just like oh my god like to think about that summer would drag on again like what what a treat and then just even back then it was like there was one summer movie for the most part maybe two big movies in the summertime. And the, obviously in Star Wars, I think just, you know, for Oscar Isaac and Gwendolyn Christie and Forrest Whitaker, they're just like, you know, I get, okay, sure. I have to go into a sound booth. I can wear comfortable clothes versus these crazy outfits. And I go in there and yeah. just, you know, ham it up and, and have some fun. And,
0: and they're really striving for continuity now that Disney sort of has their hands on the reins. They're like, let's make sure everything fits as best as possible. And so, like, let's not recast Poe Dameron for a cartoon so, or anything. So
1: happy of this world we live in for that sense. Like, okay, it's, it might it, there might get a point that like even I'm a little cynical towards the last two Star Wars movies that came out, but still like I enjoy them. But we're a Rogue One fan. Yeah, yeah, I, I love Rogue <laughs> One. Has a top ten Star Wars scene in my mind and that's yeah, yeah the borgalette yeah. <laughs> it's darth vader going on the show
0: oh, well, of course that's it's, that's, well, oh no i for that's, me that's it's that's darth vader right. in his medical tube thing well, like, that, that too, is we'll one of my favorite shots go,
1: and there you go people and that's probably why i also really enjoyed rogue one because we're going back into a world it's a prequel of, yeah it's, well, it's but technically but pre- the star wars prequel, stories are another way it's very much attached to the original trilogy well, the
0: other ones are attached to you. No, it's got fucking
1: Anakin like, turning into Darth Vader. I know. I know what you're yeah, trying to say. Yeah, yes, you know it's
0: it's say. it's more closely. And that's yes, why it's I also connected. really
1: like Force Awakens because it was just like still very much like the older ones. And and any anything I enjoy in these new Star Wars movies are because it has something to do with the older characters. That's or see, very much
0: That's very interesting because my favorite stuff aside from Luke because I love what they did with Luke my favorite stuff are the new characters like I love Finn and Rey and Kylo Ren is like maybe the greatest Star Wars character yes
1: but he's the son of Han and Leia so that's why like I care I care more yeah. about him because he's attached and I'm not and that's not me clamoring for Rey to be because then it'll just feel like old and forced so I don't know like I'm I am a I constant contradiction of myself and I realize I have an internal <laughs> I would
0: I would probably we'll get to the you know Force Awakens podcast eventually, but like I, I kind of was expecting Ray to be connected to solo and for Ben or Kylo to just be like an enigma. Like we don't know we won't know his parents, we'll never find out. Like I thought but they did the switch with those two characters. Which which is fine. The more I watch it, the more I like it. Back to the Return, Return of the Jedi. Of Jedi? Yeah. Sorry. So or should I say <laughs> Revenge of the
1: Jedi. Ooh, you threw that one down. Yeah, that's the yeah. Uh, the original. But then they went no, Poster. That's not very Jedi code. They don't commit revenge. It's just, it's the return.
0: I've heard some interesting theories about the name of the title, Return of the Jedi. As in, who are they referring to? Luke or Vader?
1: Oh, in that, yeah, well, that, in that's that the sense, whole thing in a lot of. If yeah. it's
0: Vader's story from one through six, it's the return of the
1: Jedi. And even when he's, there's a very, you have to listen very closely, but when he picks up Palpatine in the non new version, where it before he, like, because now he screams no. Uh, no! It's a no. No! Yeah, it's like a double yeah, no. it's a double right? no, but it's yeah. a short no and a long
0: no. Well, so was the, ori- or was the original three or two also in episode three. See
1: that? Like, I when I saw that in theaters, and I don't mean cried in disappointment. I cried at that moment. Out of feels for Annie? Yeah. Oh, Annie. When he starts crushing that stuff, I'm like, I. that was one of those movie moments that I go like, that would be such a visceral, emotional experience to experience. Yeah. But God damn it, I never want to experience no. that. But at the same time, I'm just like, I'll escape a bad line and bad acting or bad CGI uh-huh. and I'll go Much more and use my imagination and think like what he is going through that moment. And in that moment, he's just like everything has fallen apart in that world. And yeah. that's what I feel. And that's why it's uh, fucking I'll quote Ben <laughs> Kenobi. It's a certain point of view.
0: No, look, I think the scene ultimately works for what he's trying to accomplish. I just wish he, well, first, I wish it came an hour earlier into the movie. Number yes. one.
1: The whole third movie should be, <laughs> should have been. M- m- maybe not in Darth Vader costume, but the whole third move he, he basically second, is end of the second one should be you know like the whole luke is betrayed in empire and gets his hand cut and finds out this big thing obi-wan at the end of attack of the clones should find out that Anakin, anakin's like changed that, his name come on
0: i don't know how it happens
1: i i look though
0: i just think if he had just screamed uh, it would have worked great <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just really weird to hear james Earl jones said what of had me. Never thought I'd hear him say that, but now he talks all over. Rebels, right? Is that James Earl Jones? Yeah, he, and Rebels. He
1: back, yeah. I mean, God bless the man just for still. I mean, he's up there in age for, and he's still active.
0: Yeah, for keeping it up.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, he was. I mean, at the same time, he was like doing like a Broadway show and they're like, oh, we didn't want to like take him away from that. But it's just like. He was in three huge movies of like my childhood Star Wars
0: and what were the other two?
1: Lion King and Sandlot.
0: Oh, right. Lion King, he's. Yeah. And then, of course, the Sandlot's terrific. I feel like the CGI and the effects in the prequels were out of control. The. New movies are really good. Very hard to detect what's real and fake. They do a great yeah, job of blending. Yeah. Return of the Jedi, maybe the last, I feel like it's the last movie you could look at and be like, that is a full-on creature feature. Every trick in the book, everything is there, on screen, animated in multiple ways, and culminating in this thing called Jabba the Hutt.
1: Yeah, I think it cost $500,000 to make, they said. They said
0: molding Ten him was to several operate. tons of clay yeah. to make the mold. <laughs> I just can't imagine, like, the the amount of work that must have gone into Jabba. And then just nowadays, it's just, like, all that craftsmanship would be just not even explored or anything. It would just be, like, a fat guy. Like, they originally wanted it. It would just be a fat guy in a Target suit (laughs) with, like, little Targets all over his body, you know, in a gray sock. And then they would just paint over him with, like, CG Jabba. Like, they ended up doing in Special Edition. Yeah. Like, this is way better than any—this is the best Jabba. By far, I think. Yeah,
1: it goes Jabba and then Pizza the Hut and then <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh, as far as Huts and then maybe Stinky from it's, Clone yeah. Wars. Uh, it's
1: stinky. <laughs> uh, it's
0: we'll get them. there. That'll yeah. be a whole other episode. <laughs> the Clone Wars will take it yeah, like a Jab- year to cover.
1: Jabba just like I love this whole world of gangsters, which is cool that they're like obviously getting into with solo, but mm-hmm. who knows what'll happen with solo now since it didn't perform.
0: Well, hopefully that won't matter. Hopefully they'll pick up a lot of that stuff with Jon Favreau's TV series. Maybe they'll pick up a bunch of that Crimson Dawn stuff with like the TV series and everything. And Darth Maul and Kira can show up on Jon Favreau's show and you know weave in and out of the films. And the, Because that's a, they're basically, instead of saying prequels, they're saying Star Wars stories. Yes. Like the stories are prequels. Solo, a Star Wars story, is a prequel. It's kind of interesting, I don't know, to know where Han Solo ends up on the uh, slab hanging as art.
1: Is Han art? Oh, that's art, yeah. Isn't that amazing? as a a human, he's just... We're all art. We're all pieces of... (laughs) Love your body.
0: Uh, I almost expected Lucas to put in, like, several more people frozen in carbonite next to him. Yeah. In the special editions. Like, it's remarkable that that didn't occur to him. Where he's like, Jabba should have a couple guys, like, that he
1: struck down and... uh... But that wasn't Jabba's... I did. No, no, that was Vader's idea. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, but maybe I guess well, But then once maybe it Jabba sets a precedent. Sees that he's like, that's mine. He's like, yeah, fine. like keep oh, doing oh, that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kyle is doing a great visual impression of Jabba with the Getting with started. the strangle tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Java's definitely a space pimp. When we get to book club, he traffics in human slavery. I mean, he is just a despicable creature.
1: He's a great bad guy.
0: He's the old. It's it's almost a shame that he only lasts like thirty
1: minutes. Yeah, died completely. Like, that's that's the one thing, like, Star Wars definitely will create characters that you appreciate and you fall in love with, but then they're, like, taken from us too soon. Which
0: I guess is, you know, that's just part of storytelling. Like, you can never really tell who's going to hit and miss yeah, as yeah, an icon. Yeah. I've listened to two commentaries for Jedi before this. Several times during the Sarlacc scene, people are like, yeah, no one knew people loved Boba Fett that much yeah. like there was no internet there was just like star log magazine people writing I'm into sure, people us were and... buying the
1: toys but like whatever like it doesn't yeah
0: but they're buying all the toys yeah yeah,
1: there was no like the online community now for again there's like for as much good as i mean that's i feel like there's just always i mean star wars just teaches you everything there needs to be a balance as much as there is good there is bad and so like and for there to be good there needs to be bad and Vice versa. And so that's as much as you had back then this innocence, and that's what made those movies good and honest and true. Is now like you've got this huge community, and you have the nerds that grew up watching it that are in charge now and doing making this connective tissue. But then you have these nerds online that are just, you know, that's what's clamoring for
0: heads. That's so that's what confounds me is that like I'm a nerd who grew up with Star Wars, and let me tell you, just like being in high school in the 90s, it was not cool to tell people you liked Star Wars. Like, yeah, Star no, Wars yeah. was not mainstream when I was growing up, which is hard to imagine because, like, as a kid, no one cared. Like, oh, you're a kid. You love Star Wars. Great. Yeah. Here's some toys. Here's some bedsheets. Here's a T-shirt. Like, yeah. go go nuts. And then when you're, like, 16 or 17 and you're, like, a sophomore or junior in high school yeah. and you're wearing a Star Wars shirt, like, no one's talking to you. Like, people are actively avoiding you, to be no, quite
1: and, honest. And it, and it was the same when I was in high school. And I when I was in high school, two Star Wars movies came
0: Came out. Oh, that's yeah. That's right. Episodes two and three, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: That came, they came out my end of my freshman year and end of yeah. Because
0: I I remember seeing the special. So this is crazy. There was a moment in our high school where everything shifted, and it happened a couple times with a few different things. But like with Star Wars, when the special editions came out, I remember going with my friends to see the re-release uptown, it was like a fucking party. It was insane. It was like the day it first came out. I had no Price idea. Christ has what was returned. That. It, and then. <laughs> But after that, <laughs> yeah. it was fine to like Star Wars again for some reason. Like, everybody was down with it. It was integrated into popular culture more. Every movie Kevin Smith made had, like, multiple Star Wars references in it.
1: Well, yeah, it had it had a it had definitely had a comeback. And it's weird because, so we're talking Return came out in 83, and then the movies were re-released in theaters of special editions, 1997, and then we get episode one in 99. So, at most, before a new episode began, but let's even, we'll call it 1997. So, that's a 14-year period, and obviously, it was still, like, a little cool after, like, 83 and for a while. So, it's not that long of a period, but it did fall into, like you're saying, you know, this not as cool you know there, like cool.
0: there was a dark time there was there a was dark a time, time where they were cut off from the force and living on an island somewhere with a bunch of adorable porgs <laughs> <laughs> someone asked me oh brian asked me he goes would you get a pork tattoo and i said not only would i get a pork tattoo i would get several running around my leg like dressed up as different things like a cowboy <laughs> or like one with a, like an actual like a nasa helmet on like oh just adorable porgs running around me Okay, so this character here on screen I wanted to bring up with you. Do you recognize him?
1: He's from the Jawa. But Yeah, but isn't he... Oh, was he actually in the Jawa Crawler? Yeah. He was in the
0: Sandcrawler? It's funny, I never noticed until I watched it in widescreen, but Dengar is in Jabba's palace so also bad with names. He's yeah, the I'm one bad who's bad like, in, and he's the bounty names. hunter who's like wrapped in sheets in oh, Empire okay, Strikes okay. Back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's got like armor over his yeah, sheets. Yeah, he's only viewed from the back. I was like, Dengar, that means maybe he died. In the Legends, he pulls Boba Fett from the Sarlacc pit. Okay, so EV99, Eve99 a feminine data EV supervisor droid so this is a female droid which is why I wanted to bring it up because everyone went crazy over L3 this summer yeah for Uh. one reason or another claiming that like oh finally we get a female droid and all this stuff and like that's great she's a great character but I just thought it was crazy how Lucas was just like there's boy droids, girl droids, like, let's not make too much of a fuss. R2 could be a girl. We never even know there's gender. Like it doesn't even kind of assigning genders to droids is a little peculiar, I feel in the first place.
1: Yeah. I guess people, I mean, especially back then, then also, and then continuing until now that we have like women, like pilots in the rebellion as well, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But there, because there were supposedly at least like six different female actresses filmed as pilots, but they end up. Oh, those the are footage. in
0: the deleted footage. Yeah. yeah. And you might want to divert your eyes because we're coming up on the first of the special edition changes. It's just—it's so hard for me too... to watch.
1: Yeah, like just keep the blue elephant thing. He's ah, great, Max uh, uh, yeah Yeah
0: so I think this character was the one we were that guy right there I think he was one of the dudes and I, wish, I shouldn't just say that guy right there because people aren't watching what we're watching but he's the new lead singer with Size Snoodles for this Jabba the Hutt sequence he apparently is a Teak from Endor as well we were talking about Teak the Teak a little before we started recording really? so uh, apparently he's a creature from Endor which I guess he wanted to foreshadow that we're going to end up on Endor eventually so if you watch the special edition and or if you watch in order and don't know that we're going to be on Endor, you see this creature if you're well versed in the universe and you'll be like, oh, he's from Endor, maybe we're going to go there this movie. Okay, here's the old one. <laughs> Here's the new one. Of all the changes in all the special editions, do you like any of them? I mean, across all three of the movies that they did them for, 4, 5, and 6.
1: So, you know, like tattooing and adding the... The, the is, do-backs. The do-backs. That's, that's fine. And then... That's my, yeah, that's my and number making, two. making, like, better explosions, brightening up the lightsaber.
0: I don't even really like the tweaking of the models during the Death Star run in episode for like you know they changed like the attack run
1: oh, they yeah. made it
0: like full CG and everything oh, they added
1: some X-Wings to it right?
0: they added a couple extra ships and they beefed that up a whole bunch I only actually right now sit comfortably with two changes the second one is the do I just love that do scene yeah, so much and I, that was like a toy I had as a young kid because you could just put the guy in the do-back awesome. and the other one I really like that I think works is in Empire when Luke is fighting the Wampa and he cuts his arm off and then they cut to the Wampa holding his nub. And he's just—it's just a quick shot of him screaming, and then they cut back to Luke, and he scrambles out of the ice cave.
1: There's, there's not the shot of a Wampa holding its nub.
0: Right. Originally,
1: it just shows.
0: It's more like the Cantina scene, right, where just there's a swipe, something happens, there's a roar, and I think you just see him sort of come at him. Yeah. And now they cut to a shot of a guy in a clearly in like an abominable snowman suit going raw.
1: Okay. but it works it's so yeah.
0: Star Wars to me
1: that's cool yeah that's, that's fine like things that I don't know don't like create like new questionable like continuity story stuff like obviously the, the yeah. biggest being and it's prevalent to this film like Hayden Christensen's Anakin that's just what a,
0: what a horrible note to end on because it's right at the end it's the second to last shot of the movie yeah. thankfully they end on the celebratory shot of everybody clapping at yeah. the end together
1: and then, and then obviously I have a big gripe of them changing the song
0: Here's the old. And here's the new.
1: I'm fine with them going to the other cities and showing them being happy. Yeah. It doesn't look good. Yeah, yeah. But I'm fine with that as an interesting story. concept. Yeah, that's okay with me. I'm maybe. a little
0: surprised every movie we don't add an extra scene to the new release of Return of the Jedi where we flash to a new planet we've been to. It's so like, dude, why don't we cut to Jeddah? Yeah.
1: Jeddah would be loving it the most. Definitely. But then, I mean, that's. And then also, but then that also brings into question, like, the rebellion so small that maybe people are happy. Get off your asses, people. Really? Like, don't be. Like, Honestly. Just stooges and just, like, giving into the Empire. <laughs> Unless the Emperor was, like, that. Well, Powerful. It kind of like, is, and kind of like did a brainwash of like everybody. Well, it's like us. It's it's a propaganda like campaign. A, like you yeah. saw
0: Solo, how the Imperial March was reworked as like, come join the. Yeah.
1: Come join the military the fight March some is rebels now canon is like music for- I'm
0: cool with that but I'm just saying the yeah, Empire is so prevalent that it is like yeah I could either live my life alone on the streets of some gutter planet or I could join the empire and see the galaxy yeah I, I mean- even Luke talks about joining the academy we don't exactly know that could be the Empire Academy to learn how to be a pilot or mm-hmm. something biggs joined and I think even maybe in the book somewhere along the lines oh no it was in an episode of rebels it was a really great episode of rebels levels with Wedge, where yeah, they go and Sabine sort of goes undercover, right? The, yeah. yeah and and
1: Ezra go into, the into the recruits and stuff. And yeah. Sabine
0: was even a recruit at one point, so yeah. there's like a cool precedent there of people it's jumping you're ship. You're young and you're
1: talented and you're like, you want to, yeah.
0: It's cool how they get them young. Just like Star Wars itself. That's like the motto. <laughs> well, I mean, even the Jedi, right? Like, you have to kidnap babies. Ultimately. Yeah, you go. Not kidnap, like, but, no, but I'm go, sure the you conversation. You and you're
1: like, your child is very, Yeah. Know, there were a couple times that they are like, no, I don't want to give up. It's like, well, what will will take. Blue milk, free for life. Well,
0: even that, I mean, there's just something, a little something that you could do to yeah.
1: a bit of a weak-minded individual. Exactly, yeah. It's a little just child. be like, you yeah. will give me your yeah. baby. Well, Jedi mind trick. That, it like, was your idea. Yeah
0: hand it over. That's like, creepy. It's so scary.
1: No, and that's the whole thing that even the Jedi aren't perfect because the whole thing is like, you you shouldn't be like in love with someone, but you should care about people but you can't love, and that's well, the whole and that's why yeah. Luke is also saying that the Jedi have to end, like there is, both sides aren't perfect. Obviously the Jedi are much better than like the Sith or just the light side versus the dark side and all that kind of stuff, or just the Empire is like a political entity you know, because there were plenty of problems with as we saw in the Senate as well. Like Absolutely. I mean, and again, there's, as, there's always going to have to be, and that's why the movies will always exist, because as long as there's good, there's going to be bad. I feel
0: like it wants to talk about the gray areas, and like a lot of characters in Star Wars that are force wielders are either like, yes, or no like dark or light and yeah. i think the more interesting people are yeah. like when they try to find a new way to incorporate the force into being so like that's what i loved about last jedi so much is kylo has such a different view of what things can be he's like i'm actually seeing a future without labels like we don't need to call ourselves sith or jedi yeah. or whatever we want
1: to call it like let's just use the force how we think we should but he's saying that but then he's Clearly, like wants to run everything. Well, yeah, that's, I know, and that's but what the his, new world and that's what order. His grandfather yes, wanted
0: is well. Yes, but I also feel like Luke tried, and and his extreme was cutting himself off entirely. Whereas Yoda says, "You just needed to move beyond." What you've learned, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Failure is the greatest teacher of them all. Absolutely, and I feel like that was sort of what's bestowed upon Ray now, and so I feel like Kylo and Ray are in some interesting positions now, where we don't need labels called like Jedi and Sith, and you know all that kind of thing. Like it, it, it would be cool to see. Like Maz Kanata is a very interesting character to me because she uses the Force, but she's like, I'm not. I don't need to be a Jedi. I don't need to be and a that, devotee. Yeah. I could just have it be a part of my everyday life because we are all one with it. And
1: why am I blanking on Anakin's Padawan Ahsoka? Like, that's also what then she goes into, and then she goes right. into yeah. Rebel's World, and she's, but she is still using the Force and lightsabers, but they're white lightsabers because... She's on her own path, is yeah, I think the path. point,
0: and and I think that's what's most interesting about what they're trying to yeah. do with it. Yeah. Luke is walking a very fine line in this movie. When he first shows up in Jabba's Palace, he's acting like a Sith, and he's choking people left and right, using his mind manipulation on Bib Fortuna, killing the Rancor, like, like really wreaking havoc in a way that doesn't seem becoming of a Jedi necessarily like when Obi-Wan took down Grievous there is just such like a lighthearted sort of like more of a swashbuckling element to it yeah. we get there on the skiff and everything I think the skiff is a little more lighthearted.
1: is it kind of interesting that again since we have it on the background that this is a similar meeting to how they meet in now Solo that's now canon they're like in a dungeon and first Han hears like a noise and he's not sure and he's like Chewie and then he comes out and they're friends versus fighting a first in Solo that
0: was an interesting scene this plan is very convoluted it's basically like Luke saying everyone go get yourself caught
1: yeah
0: I need you all as like point men on this prove that now I'm a Jedi well no and then like I'll come in and I'll get caught yeah and then, like, I know Jabba, so he's going to want, like, this—he'll be really pissed. Like, I'll kill his creature. He's going to want to sacrifice us over the Sarlacc pit. Just trust me. I've seen it. Like, this is one of his premonitions, or he he's like—it's one of his Joker moments, mm-hmm. where it's all part of the plan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then Mark Hamill becomes the Joker, so. Oh, that's right. Hey, <laughs> great call. Hello, Batman. <laughs> Hello, Vader. Hello, Vader. <laughs> Hello, Jabba. <laughs> Ooh, Han.
0: Yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> that would have been that'd be great. Someone because uh, you, Mark Hamill, does like he reads those Trump tweets as Joker. It'd be yeah. great if he overdubbed Jedi as Joker. That'd be cool. But yeah, I mean, it's really only R two again is in on it. Is knows what's going on. Is yeah. down on the plan because it's when he gets to the skiff, right to the edge of the plank. He's gonna walk the plank.
1: Yeah. And he gives that little salute that Luke loves to Luke do. Luke knew that. R2 would be then used as a bar cart. <laughs> right. Would be happen to be on that skiff. Versus, yeah. You know. Even as a little kid, I'm like, wait, why isn't Luke using the force to press down the, the lever? For the, the Rancor,
0: Rancor thing, yeah, yeah. Like,
1: there's, you know, there's plenty of stuff like that. Yes, yes, know, yes. That why isn't Leia still... saying
0: a word when she's dressed as Slave Leia? She never says a single word until she kills Jabba and then she says let's get out of here
1: <laughs> which I totally I mean there's obviously plenty of people that are just like oh my god you put her in like a metal bikini I'm like yeah and then she kills her captor like that's pretty like yeah. out empowering to me yeah. so I mean by all means, like I mean I still even as a kid and still now I'm like ah, oh, there's certain things that like he didn't think about too much of his world you know that he has these power or even on the skiff Luke does a high jump to get out of the carbonate before it goes off right but like in this he just kind that, like does a leap and is like holding on to the side of Jabba's. It's still thing. impressive. It's still pretty impressive. No, if but you I'm ask just, me. he I also mean, does like that we're triple a Lindy, Impossible where a real life Tom Cruise did a giant jump. So it's true, it's true. <laughs>
0: but <laughs> like... he also does like that triple backflip thing off of the plank yeah, and, and everything. Yeah. And he kicks a lot of ass. And yeah. him and Leia swing again. swing again. They swing again together. They both go on a yeah. rope and they swing true. just like in the first. They movie. swing
1: on swings, and they seem to maybe have swung in a.
0: You think they're swingers? Before,
1: they, before <laughs> they found out their brother and
0: uh, Before they go off to find Han, let's just have one yeah. good luck night together. This
1: was one thing I read that I never knew before. So supposedly one of, you know, because there's, you know, some things that were changed about this movie. Like the Luke was supposed to go walking off into the sunset.
0: Leia wasn't going to be his sister. That was going to be left to further
1: episodes. Yeah, for... I didn't know that thing. And the character's name was, I read, Skywalker. Oh, I never knew N- that. N-, N e l l i t. H. That was going to be seven, eight, nine because supposedly she was taken and brought to the other side of the galaxy and being trained by somebody that's crazy too so (laughs) lucas wanted to again he got like divorced after empire and just wanted to like again. so he changed lore and star wars forever for like a personal reason of like a great personal reason wanted to spend more time with his kids and then went okay and i do want it to be neat and wrapped up so we're gonna end this love triangle by being like oh they're siblings so it's clearly leia and han it's hard to
0: comprehend i guess but there really was a point where you're never gonna get the chance to make another Star Wars movie, George Lucas, like the the market just isn't made for more movies like it was never like James Bond or something like that where it's like uh James Bond's being recast and these adventures aren't adding up and they're just randomness sometimes yeah. they don't yeah. it's not all canon it's like George like no one's gonna want a fourth one like and what are you gonna do when are you gonna stop where's it gonna end so I feel like part of it was just the climate at the time where it's just like what are you talking about another Star Wars movie like even with Indy they did a third indie, and it was kind of like oh this is it like we meet, we've we reached the third Indiana Jones we're like, gonna like we're never the last <laughs>
1: crusade yeah we're never gonna <laughs> to do
0: another one, you know, and there was always rumblings of a Ghostbusters 3 where it would be like, yeah, we should do a final Ghostbusters, and it's like, there's just like a mind block on creativity, I feel, at mm-hmm. the time that yeah. has been sort of shattered at yeah, least and, now, and, yeah.
1: And also the Emperor wasn't going to be brought into this world too, it was just a book so, purely dude, about him and, oh, Vader man. And, and defeating Darth So
0: a friend of mine gave me this book in high school which was like a character guide for Star Wars and in it they had like an Emperor bio and stuff, and there was things in the expanded universe, now Legends, which was like, oh, the Emperor cloned himself, and like that's what the Clone Wars might have been about, oh, and okay. like there, there's a younger version of him frozen somewhere, and they're just going to revive him, yeah. and he's going to be back. Yeah, That never came to pass. And,
1: he's not, he, and that's, again, he's never referred to as Palpatine. He's just the Emperor. And... He is
0: in the book, which is interesting, because the book came out two weeks before the movie, or something oh, like really? that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. So... Just recently he was given a first name. Oh, right. What is it? S-H-R-E B-E-V. Shreve? Yeah. That is the worst. I know, it's really bad. Star Wars honestly, like, gets the best names. And the worst and names. And the worst names. Yeah. Like, I love that his name is Rio Durant, is John Favreau's yeah, character. That's and it's cool. amazing, because it's the song Rio and Duran Durant. my
0: name
1: Rio Durant. Very nice. That's a cool name. Especially I mean, for that kind of character. Like, it fits that character.
0: Lando Calrissian. I mean, that, oh, rolls like, off your yeah, tongue. Just <laughs> like
1: Colt 45 like,
0: just... <laughs> Exactly. And there's the outfit. He's of... here in his skiff gear.
1: Yeah, and we and we get the...
0: We never see the depths of Lando's closet. It's like Link's backpack. You could just put what... It, you know, Link from Zelda, the Zelda yeah. games, like, it's just, where does he carry all that shit all the time? That's like Lando's closet. You don't know what's like in the back of Lando's closet. He could have all types of costumes going on back there.
1: We saw some of the capes, and then again, so we get, and it's cool that then Han wears the same thing that Lando's wearing in this movie.
0: At the end of the last movie, Lando was dressed like Han. He's wearing, like, the black vest. Yeah,
1: Han is a vest guy, Lando is a cape guy, okay? I love it. Oh, going off it of, since I was just talking about, well, I guess they're, they're more 70s than 70s and 80s, but since I just brought up Duran Duran, I never knew that Joseph Williams, the lead singer of Toto, is John Williams' son. Oh, cool. Yeah, I never knew that. And he did music for Return of the Jedi. Oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: There's at least like two new themes in this. We get the Emperor's theme, which is just like this, which is basically like, oh... Just really cool. <laughs> it's so haunting. Yeah. And it fits him perfectly. It's almost
1: as if that
0: sound's coming from
1: him. Well, what's really... And then there's certain things that they do well in the prequels. And I love that really weird space water bubble opera thing. And, and it's a very similar... The music in there is very similar to yeah. the
0: It's just like I love and That's and... why
1: we love Bogola. And, you know... The Bogolette makes you
0: forget. <laughs> <laughs> the other music I really like in here is the Ewok theme. It's great. Yeah it's very uh
1: seven dwarves
0: hi ho oh it's a good call yeah i never really put that together they are very much like a community of that but i also get the idea that they're like all right let's go like kill a GarfNock and like eat that and like all right it's gonna take 12 of us better take 20 just to be sure you want to our dime a dozen there's so many of them of course, we get the return of the great imperial march, and yeah. you know Luke's. Da, da,
1: da, 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 da. So, it might be my favorite moment is when Darth is taunting Luke, and he goes, "Sister." and your thoughts have betrayed you It's just like and if you can't turn maybe she will and then Luke just totally then like goes to the dark side yep. pretty much you know, yep. no! and then there's I'm getting goosebumps talking about it because honestly I mean like I love my father we have a very healthy relationship but I think as a boy that's your biggest like you know it's thing, your like, father betra- figure yeah yeah. It's well he's, yeah he's a father figure but like that's I mean that's why those stories have existed you know since like freaking Oedipus Rex like the whole father-son dynamic and so that's just, you know then this is to the extreme of that that as well, and just that conflict of you know, father and son, and just when there's that dolly shot that's tracking along with them. Oh, they're as they're fighting? fighting? You know, because it's not a long battle between them, and it's just because Luke is, like, embracing, like, the dark side and the hate at that moment, and defeats Darth before, you know, he goes on his knee and then chops off his hand, but then he has that awesome moment of looking at his robot hand and the chopped-off yeah. hand of Darth and realizing, Whoa. like, oh, shit, like, that's my father, and that's what he went through. I say all that because I love, again, it's the, it's the very core, like, oh, like, mm-hmm. when they're battling, that's like what gives me they're coming back again like that's what gives me like goosebumps the chills The what is it the wills the guardian of the wills (laughs) the guardian (laughs) guardian of the the chills chills. oh man I love it well
0: that for me is what this movie is all about if you cut all the Luke Vader Emperor stuff together it's only like 40 minutes or something like that but that is basically all Lucas had left to tell and then they had to craft like all this other stuff around it you know that's why we get 30 minutes in the beginning to rescue Han and that's why we get the infiltrating the Ewok thing and I think it's good He, he made it work but that works best for me is the Vader-Luke stuff in this movie is, I just think it's terrific because they've both sort of come to a revelation. The idea that in Empire, that Luke finds out Vader's his dad is a blow to Luke, but Vader also finds out that he has a way out to be free of the Emperor. So it's extremely emotionally charged. Even though we're not seeing it or they're not really talking about it all that much, there's a lot going on in their heads.
1: Well, Way Out, what are you, Saying for that? Because, like, an empire, he says, like, we could rule the galaxy as father and son. But are you saying it as a way out as.
0: Well, just as a way out from under the thumb of the Emperor. Or just a way to change things. Like, yeah, just a way out of the way things are, like a new way to do something. And I think it's as much, in this movie, I think Vader is dealing with the revelation that he has a son as much as Luke is dealing with the fact that he has a dad. That they have found this out about each other is, to me, especially watching it again this time, seeing the way Vader ultimately acts towards the end, it just, it felt very much like they're trying to say these guys are the same person. Like, they're cut from the same cloth. They're the same person. Luke is trying to be his father by dressing all in black, but also trying to defy his father at the same time by crafting his own identity. It's it's way more, like, charged than I remember because I never looked, I never analyzed a Star Wars
1: movie before in my
0: life. Like, I never got deep into, like, you know, let's let's apply everything I learned in film school to to, to analyze a Star Wars film.
1: You know, Lucas takes from what has always been best, and, you know, from Joseph Campbell's A Hero's Journey to then going to the enjoyment of Buck Rogers Flash Gordon, but then some. Kurosawa thrown in there for flavor and the Shakespeare stuff too. So, two obviously very different directors. I mean, George Lucas is so much more of a storyteller than a director, but then to go to another director like Tarantino, like he learned a long time ago, there's people that have done it amazing already. Let me do the best I can from what I learned and what I loved of those filmmakers and those storytellers. And that's, that's when you're, I mean, that's, I mean, the same thing Nicholas Winreffin and like what he's learned from filmmakers over the years. I think just the most brilliant people are the people that realize that there's other brilliant people.
0: Yeah, he even claims, you know, he's way more of a visual director. He's not, like, he's no, like, he my did. movies... He's you basically
1: not an actor's director. Yeah,
0: but he also said you could basically take all the dialogue out of my movies, and that's cool, just just watch them with the soundtrack, and, like, and, that's all I'm trying to accomplish.
1: And to quote our sound professor from college, that's what he said, you know, and this is from a sound guy, He's he says the best movies are the ones that you can turn off the sound and know exactly what's going on.
0: That's funny, it applied to Star Wars, because, like, I would watch the prequels with the sound off any day before turning (laughs) that dialogue back on. We'll get to those episodes. Should we talk about some Yoda?
1: (laughs) Who wasn't in the first draft of the screenplay. I
0: find that hard to believe. I feel like of all the checkpoints, it's rescue Han, go back to Yoda, finish my training, confront Darth Vader. Do you have any idea what that plan was supposed to entail? Was it, was there another character? Was it just Force Ghost Kenobi?
1: Well, and then another idea of, in like, I don't know if it was written into script form, but an idea was Obi-Wan coming back to life. Oh, actually, flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. Because clearly it's there's much more of a story between Obi-Wan, Luke, you know, Anakin. Darth like it was you know since Obi-Wan was the I one, see that took down
0: okay well so in book club it's not even a very long passage why don't I why don't I just tease it right now but here on page 66 because it's right around the time we're talking about where when Obi-Wan shows up and tells Luke about his sister and yeah. they hit him across the galaxy and split them up and that whole isn't it a little thing. weird
1: that Yoda uses last breath to say there is another Skywalker and he could have just been like There is your
0: sister. I understand where the Jedi are kind of coming from. It's a lesson until the bitter end. He can only lead them so far. Luke has to have this realization himself. So this is what's crazy. Let me just read this real quick. Luke tried to comprehend what his old teacher was saying. So much information, so fast, so vital, it almost made him swoon. Ben continued his narrative. When your father left, he didn't know your mother was pregnant. But we wanted to keep you both as safe as possible. For as long as possible. So I took you to live with my brother Owen on Tatooine.
1: What? My brother? <laughs> yeah.
0: And your mother took Leia to live as the daughter of Senator Organa on Alderaan. Yeah, so, if.
1: You no, know, the mother. Yeah, I read that the mom was supposed to be a handmaiden. Oh, she was supposed to be like a Padme? Yeah.
0: Like, how Padme. And like, see her own daughter raised yeah. in secret and yeah. shit? Yeah. So, right here, you have Luke's mom, or Leia, Luke and Leia's mom, was alive for a while. She didn't die on the yeah. operating table or giving birth. And that Uncle Owen is Ben Kenobi's biological brother kind of crazy considering that this book makes a point of saying it's canon by listing all the only other books that are in canon on the front flap since the disney took over
1: oh wait that book is published after disney so this
0: edition of return of the jedi came out after disney took control so there's ads for the books that are canon only not the expanded universe which is now legend so in here it says here's the story of star wars Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, the Clone Wars TV series, the book Dark Disciple, the movie Revenge of the Sith, the book Lords of the Sith, the book Tarkin, the book A New Dawn, the TV series Rebels, then comes A New Hope, Wow. then the book Heir to the Jedi, and the book Battlefront Twilight Company, then comes Empire, then Jedi, then Aftermath, which is a book I guess about yeah. Aftermath. If I had to guess And then Force Awakens So this was published Before Rogue One Came out This reprinting So up until 2015 Yeah So I don't know What's going on I mean everybody Is so tight And meticulous Of trying to Course correct the That's canon And weird. someone uh, There's an oversight yeah. There's a big oversight Right That's here a
1: But Huge oversight
0: Kind of cool I like it because It explains I, th- I know you and I Have always talked about Our ideal Kenobi movie Okay, and I think I might have mentioned to you, it's him and Owen Lars teaming up to go. Someone has discovered some Luke, maybe, or someone, maybe there's an Inquisitor, and yeah. it's and it's Ben and Owen, like, on an adventure together. And by the end, there's some very bad blood, and that's why he's like, stay away from him. Yeah. Never go by that guy again. But I also now like the idea that they could have had a big brotherly falling out also.
1: Well, like a brotherly falling out and, like, the jealousy of, like, he's got powers, but I don't.
0: Oh, I like that. There's not much of a difference between a Force ghost and a hologram as far as they look. The holograms have a little more blue in them, a little less color.
1: Yeah, and there's like a shimmering around the Force ghosts.
0: The rest of this movie is like, it's remarkable how little kind of happens. They rendezvous with the fleet and they go over the whole Endor plan, but the next big... the thing... died. Okay, so Mon Mothma's back. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? Do you think she got demoted after her bad call at uh, the Battle of Scarif, where she's like, we're not going to send people to Scarif, and then Jin Erso and Rogue One went on their own to Scarif, and then suddenly a bunch of ships showed up? Do you think they were like, that was a bad call, Mon Mothma, you got to sit out the next plan? Because like, she's not at no,
1: Battle of Yavin. No, I think the whole thing with that now is like, she's so important to the Rebellion that obviously they knew that there's a chance that the oh, going to blow up Yavin, get to her... They're playing
0: hot potato with her. Yeah. Yeah,
1: she's in like you know. Yeah, yeah. she was go. She was sent. That's the whole thing. Not she's all, in hiding. Not all of the fleet was at Yavin because in case it. it. went wrong. They kind of just because they just had
0: Scarif. They just had that yeah. big. They just lit a fire under the Empire's ass. Yeah, with that victory. So- yeah, so we get Mon Mothma. We get the that great line. Many Bothans died, and we get Mon Calamari. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a trick that was the original line and it didn't so it, did he it misread it well.
0: oh it didn't test well it's interesting because I think Lando realizes it's a trap and he says so and yeah. at one point it goes it's trap. Okay.
1: they're not well, what is it I mean it happens you know, it happens in the-
0: but the the mind. shields are still up, but they're yeah. jamming their frequencies. They're jamming
1: the frequencies. Why would they jam them unless? Right,
0: like, unless the back shield back. is still up. But my favorite, by far, sequence in this movie when I was a little kid, it blew my mind, and it's still pretty awesome. Although I could see the seams, the speeder bike chase.
1: Oh, so cool. And uh, yeah, I, I've been to the Muir Woods and I played like, <laughs> that theme and I was like... Nee.
0: <laughs> What's amazing is how simple it was for them to create that speed effect. Mm-hmm. The inventor of the Steadicam actually there on set, yeah. operating it, going one frame per second,
1: I think it is? Yeah, one frame per second and then you put that to 23 frames per second. Yeah. And it it the illusion
0: of Looks like it's speeding. And then to go the reversed angle, they just ran it backwards. That's awesome. So they didn't even shoot it twice. Yeah.
1: That's just to quote Donald Kaufman, Trick Photography. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like you said, like the practical effects of and the puppetry, like they just went all out. But I read something that Ian McDermott, you know, the emperor they had in that throne that was supposed to be like, you know, turns and everything Yeah. And that was supposed to be mechanized, but it wasn't working. So he shuffles his feet. Oh,
0: to move brilliant.
1: Him. He's, he's a real, it's,
0: it's, it's just a shame there's not enough of him on the audio commentary because he's a real joy yeah. when he explains. He's
1: one of the better parts of the
0: movie. What, what it was like as an outsider basically coming in on the third and final film and yeah. he's like he just couldn't he believe how mind-blowing it was actually. and he basically had free reign to do what he wanted yeah. with the character and it just aligned exactly
1: he's i guess really with what lucas cool was, was looking great, for like stage actor and just there's a lot of really interesting things just even choices he made for the performance there's so many, I mean, some, like a good solid handful of directors up for this. Like David Lynch, Rick Spielberg.
0: He came very close to doing part three, episode three, which I'll have you back for.
1: Do you remember one of the, I'm sure there were other names, but the one that always stuck in my head that was up for Attack of the Clones?
0: Not Attack of the Clones. I knew Ron Howard was offered episode one, but I don't know any of the Attack of the Clone trivia.
1: Spike Jones.
0: Oh, wow. Isn't that weird? I don't know, man.
1: And Spielberg was recommending somebody, Vierhoven. No
0: kidding. Wow. Spielberg it a bit of, that, but uh,
1: then made a movie that was like very edgy. Like most well, of his movies. Yeah most of his, yeah. yeah, most of his movies. But a great sci-fi
0: director great sci-fi in his own director, right.
1: Spielberg saw that and just went like, I'm not going to.
0: He's way too edgy, especially if you consider RoboCop yeah. and Starship Troopers. If you have Starship a movie with Ewoks
1: and, I mean, Wookies instead of Ewoks, and we know that Wookies will pull arms out of sockets, that's Beerhoven Ewoks, eat people dude okay but we don't Ewoks yeah.
0: are gonna eat Han Solo without a thought in the imagine, world yeah, except I'm for how full they're I'm gonna so be I'm so
1: happy like I know we get like in this like in this version that's on the background Ewoks blink and stuff I'm so happy there wasn't like all of a sudden like a CGI like like imagine like I could see in another version of this like their mouths spreading and seeing like sharp teeth oh like of... a second set or something yeah. that's like the Lynch version yeah. of
0: Ewok where like they salivate blood galaxy quests Right, and exactly. Well, that's a total that play said... on an Ewok, yeah. right, yeah. I mean, I feel like they're savage. I feel like they get the point across. The thing about them is strength in numbers. Because we saw in Kessel, there were a couple of Wookiees there. They couldn't escape. There was like six or seven. They couldn't get
1: out. Their spirits were just crushed anyway. Oh,
0: well, that could be too. And we don't know what kind of a, and... we don't kind of know what effects the yeah. spice has on the yeah. prisoners too. And they looked kind of gaunt. Yeah. But the thing about Ewoks, strength in numbers, man, they just keep throwing Ewoks at the problem. Mm-hmm and that's all it takes. It's, like, just this bombardment.
1: Yeah, but it makes sense versus, like, Lord of the Rings. It's like they write themselves into a corner. Uh, send in the eagles. Well, that's what's so... (laughs) Well, no, that's what's
0: so cool about Star Wars is that I always feel like the Rebels are constantly backed up into a corner. Like, always. They're always just about to lose. Like, this could very well be the last days of the rebellion and when they get to the base on endor without the ewoks they would have lost you know what i'm saying like if it was just that ragtag group of rebels on the ground like they're done for completely and all hope is lost and thankfully i guess it is the will of the force that leia ultimately meets up with wicked they should be very thankful that there was that little detour that they had there
1: which is just i mean star wars nature anyway happens in the world and that's just what also star wars that's good. You know. There's a
0: lot of amazing stuff about the Ewoks in the in the novelization. Really flesh out their core beliefs I about nature like and ideology. <laughs> I mean, they're not aware of the Force by name, but believe it or not, Luke and Leia in the book teach them a lot about what the Force means and what they're about and what they're trying to do and overthrow the Empire and like we're the good guys. And the Ewoks completely get it. Yeah. they totally understand it. Well, they have their deity
1: that like, and I think
0: their golden god. Yeah. I feel like that is totally Lucas saying don't worship technology. Worshiping technology and false idols is a crutch and even the Ewoks come to understand that like oh he's not a god he's just a creation by these people these are the creators they're the engineers like if anything we should have been bowing to them but they know humans because they've had two Ewok movies that took place (laughs) between Empire and Jedi so they've been exposed to battle they're they're hardened by this point by the time
1: the rebels show up
0: they are ready to fight
1: again not that they're good movies but then my imagination goes and I was saying this before we started recording I said That kind of, to me, like lends itself that they were, in a way, like more battle hardened and prepared by yeah. the time this movie happens and not that that film addresses that and again they're not like they're good movie they're entertaining especially when you're a kid and you're watching them but like not that the, that's what that film is about and I said oh I would love at the end of the second Ewok adventure movie that if all of a sudden when that spaceship flies off then all of a sudden a Star Destroyer comes Come out of hyperspace like... Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you recognize the ship yeah. and you're like oh they're so about again, to drop they, off some they, materials
1: they have that insight that like now that they're doing with all the new movies but again Again, that just makes it fun in my mind that I'm just like, yeah. oh, yeah, these guys, like, they just fought wizards. Well, and dude, they, they fought
0: and, uh, Night Witch yeah, of Dathomir, Which is
1: one of, yeah, exactly. She was Darth in... One of Darth Maul's mothers.
0: Because those films are canon. Yeah. Now at this point, even the character Sindel, the little girl, she's now grown up and she's like a reporter or something like that. Like she had a life after her parents and brother got savagely murdered by marauders on Endor and she had to team up with Wilford Brimley. So Wilford Brimley is like a kind old man in that movie. Noah, she and Wilford Brimley eventually escape Endor together on a rocket ship. And she goes on to grow up and be okay. She's fine. She's not like a freedom fighter or anything, but she like works as like a newscaster or something.
1: does she die in Force Awakens maybe? Because she's in that, what's that? She might
0: be. The Hanzi.
1: Is it the the Hansian uh, system?
0: The Manzi system? The Manzi (laughs) system. Finn's familiar with the weapon that destroyed the Hosnian system. He worked on the base. Ah, the Hosnian system. Well played, Poe Dameron. That's going to do it for part one of Return of the Jedi. So many impressions in this episode. Come back soon to hear much more about the movie, our thoughts on the entire series in general, and of course, book club. This time, with a special twist. That's right, my young Padawans, I take Book Club to the next level. So make sure you tune in for that, or your Jedi training will not be complete. New show alert, new show alert, new show alert. This month, Joey and I are launching a brand new project called TomTom Tom Club, where we watch all the films in both Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks' filmography. It's two separate shows, Cruise Club and Hanks for the Memories, on two different feeds, but they equal one big project, the TomTom Tom Club. So please check that out. For all things Third Time's a Charm, go to cageclub.me, where you can find all the past episodes of this show and over 20 other great podcasts on the network. You can also go to the show page to see all the links that I post and all the photos and follow along to all the things we talked about during the show. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever podcasts live. Write me at 3 at cageclub.me. That's T-H-R-E-E at cageclub.me. Do you have a good name for a Star Wars podcast? What's your favorite or most obscure Star Wars reference? Do you have any comments or questions about any episode of Third Times a Charm? Or just want to say hi? Please don't hesitate to write. Cage Club has also launched a Patreon page where you can support the show, get exclusive content, and even control what we watch. So head on over to cageclub.me for all the links to everything the network has to offer. Until next time, I'm your host Mike, and this is Third Times a Charm. That's a magic number. Three. Yes it is. It's the magic number. Three, Three makes stuff it up me, and that's a magic number. What does it all mean?